Good morning. Our reading this morning comes from Joshua 21. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. This is the word of the Lord. As you go to your seat, let's pray. Father, as we, as we desire and ask every week, will you be with us? Holy Spirit, will you take the word which is living and active and make it come alive in our hearts and minds? That which is hard to understand, we pray that you would make understandable. And more than anything, we pray that we would leave here having more affection for Jesus Christ, being conformed into his image. Father, I pray for all the churches that are preaching a gospel this morning. I'm thankful for our brothers and sisters who are gathered across parts of the Metroplex. Pray for Trailview Church in Crowley. I pray for the Paradox Church here in Fort Worth. Pray for Northbrook Church in your far northern parts of Fort Worth. Let me pray that as we understand, the word will never fail. The promises never fail. We just read that, and so we're grateful that we can take that to heart, and we can walk in confidence in that, not because of anything in us or because of us, but because of you. And so we're grateful that we, in your name, can pray these things, and as we thought about last week, you hear our prayers, you're moved by the things that we pray, and you respond, and so we trust that you will this morning, and it's in Christ that we do pray, amen. Well, we are going to be in uh, chapter 21 of the book of Joshua, and you might think, wait a minute, weren't we in chapter 10 last week? What happened to 11 through, through 20? Um, we're moving pretty quickly now, apparently, through the book of Joshua, but I want you uh, to rest assured we're not going to be reading every single verse of chapters 11 through 20, lest we be here all the way until midnight tonight, and I know nobody wants that. Um, but we are going to be covering a large chunk of text. Even though Stephanie read from the end of chapter 21, we're actually going to look at overall chapters 13 through 21. Chapter 13 uh, begins a whole new section in the book of Joshua. Up until this point, we've been talking about a lot of military conquests. And so we have been tracking for the past several weeks. We've been in Jericho. We've been in Ai. We've been in Gibeon. We looked at several different king kingdoms of the enemy last week that were defeated. But this is a new section of the book of Joshua where the fighting is wrapping up. And now it's time for the people of God to take possession of the land that has just been conquered. Now, just because we're moving quickly through the book of Joshua today, we're covering a large chunk of text, we cannot ignore the fact that there are nine chapters dedicated for the details of dividing up the land amongst the people. What we're going to see is that uh, all the various tribes of Israel, some, some uh, other characters that, are, that we are introduced to or reminded of are getting the land that God promised to them. This is incredibly important to them, certainly. And then I want to uh, 
encourage us this morning that it's incredibly important for us as well as a church here some thousands and thousands of years later in 2023. The the verses that Stephanie just read from the end of chapter 21 uh, it really is a perfect summary of this section of Joshua that we are going to be in this morning. But in many ways, it's a really beautiful summary of the entire book of Joshua. God keeps his promises. He is loyal to his word. All the land given by him. Rest from enemies given by him. And so like we try to do every week, I want to have a main idea for you. It's on the handout that maybe you picked up on the way in, and this is the main idea for today. Our inheritance, our rest, and all of God's promises find their yes in Christ. Our inheritance, our rest, and all of God's promises find their yes in Christ. These three verses at the end of chapter one show us three things uh, I want to show us this morning, and probably pretty obvious to us as we heard those verses read just a few minutes ago. These are the three things I want to look at. The pleasant places allotted, a peaceful rest given, and perfect promises kept. Three things this morning. Let's think more about verse 43, which says this again. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. Now, if you have your Bibles open uh, to chapter 21 with us right now, if you want to flip back to the very beginning of chapter 13, so just a few pages back to the left, but keep a finger there in 21, because we will be anchored there most of the morning. But I want us to look at the beginning of this section So this is chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. So we see here right off the bat that God is transitioning Joshua Joshua into a new phase of his life. He's older now. As I mentioned, the fighting days are winding down. His role as a military commander are winding down. But God says there is still more land to take control over. But what we see Joshua going to be transitioning into is a different role that is going to take the land that has already been conquered and divide it up and apportion it to Israel. God has given Israel, a strong foothold, a a beachhead, if you will, in this land of Canaan. It's not completely conquered. We just heard that. There's still land to be taken, but they have a large presence in the land of Canaan. Drop down, if you will, to the end of verse 6. So this is the second half of verse 6. It says this, I myself will drive them out before the people of Israel, only a lot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. So first of all, God will drive out all of the Canaanite peoples. And this is not new. This is exactly what we've been seeing over the past several weeks. It's been God that has been doing the fighting. What is new is now Joshua is to take these conquered lands and allot the land to the peoples and the tribes of Israel. And so this is basically what is detailed over the next nine chapters 
of the book of Joshua. So as you maybe flip the pages back over to chapter 21, if you haven't read this section, what you will see is that we are looking at all these different people, all these different tribes of Israel, all the details about where they are settling in the land of Canaan. Maybe we are studying this particular section of Joshua at an appropriate time. I don't know if you have experienced this. I think most of us have probably gotten, gotten our uh, appraisals for the, our homes in the mail, the, the valuation of our homes, and maybe a lot of you are about to protest your property tax. And one of the things that you've had to look at if you're doing that is the legal address of your home, meaning the lot and the block, along with the physical address. And what we have here in chapters 13 through 21 might read a little bit like that. It's a lot of lots, a lot of boundaries, a lot of cities that maybe we are certainly not as familiar with as the people that this was written to. But if it reads a little bit dry, if this section reads maybe as a, a boring list of cities or places that we don't even know about, might we reimagine how we could read the Word of God, in particular this section, with, with new eyes? Would you imagine with me for just a minute how incredibly precious and impactful and important these, these cities, the places that God has given the people of Israel would have been for the time, for the people at that time? These are the places that they have heard about for, for years and years and years. This is where they lost maybe a few of their kinsmen in war over the past few years. People have died in the wilderness trying to get to these specific places that God is laying out in chapters 13 through 21. So in some ways, we, we probably need to use our God-given imagination to imagine what it would have been like for the people at this time to hear these particular cities and boundaries and lots given to them. It might be helpful if you think about it this way. If I told you that uh, I'm incredibly thankful uh, for 1234 Jones Street, you might think, well, what is 1234 Jones Street? What if I told you that 1234 Jones Street is the home address of the Forsyths? It's not, by the way. I want to protect their anonymity. They, they will share their real address with you after the service if they want to. But what if that was their address and I said, 1234 Jones Street, and you say, I don't know where that is, but I say, that's where Zane and Katie live. And then you probably remember being deeply ministered to them, by them, to you in their home. All of a sudden, you attach an affection to an address. That address now suddenly is speaking not just to your mind, but to your heart. What if I said this? What if I said, I love 4731 Camp Bowie Boulevard. I love 4731 Camp Boulevard. And again, you go, I don't know where that is. One person knows where that is. That's Fort Worth Coffee Co., a lot of you have been to Fort Worth Coffee. Actually, too, Lucas, you know, too. 
Many of you have been to Fort Worth Coffee Co. That's where you've had great conversations. That's where you've had great coffee. Now your affections are stirred. It's not just a number. It's not just a physical cold address that you're attaching that to real people and real experiences. And that's exactly what these people, at the time this was written, that's exactly what they're thinking. As we read a foreign list of cities and regions in the land of Canaan, this is a beautiful, meaningful inheritance for the people of God. These people have heard about this land for a long time, and now the moment has come. And so God was faithful to give all of Israel the land that he had promised to their fathers long ago. As Psalm 16.6 says, the lines have fallen in pleasant places. And indeed, Israel has a beautiful inheritance. And it was this gift uh, that the Lord gave. We, we, we see that clearly. It's, it says the Lord gave this gift. And it was up to Israel to take it. And as we've seen the past several weeks, uh, now it is it's time to settle in this land, to faithfully inhabit this land. That takes us to our next verse, which is verse 44. It says, And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. This is peaceful rest given. This is peaceful rest given. Just as God had promised long ago this land, part of the inheritance was not just the land, but also rest. And this rest comes from the enemies being defeated. That's exactly what we looked at when we looked at the battle of Jericho, when we looked at the battle of Ai and in Gibeon, all those conquests in chapters 10 and 11. What an encouragement this is. But we do have to square this, we do have to understand this in light of several concerning statements found in this large chunk of text from chapters 13 through 21. And I'm going to read a few of these verses to us. And when I was going through my Bible reading these verses in this section, when I came to these particular verses, I wrote the words, uh-oh, in the margin of my Bible. Listen to why. This is Joshua 13, verse 13. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Makathites, but Gershur and Makath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. Here's Joshua 15, 63. But the Jebusites, the, inhab the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, could not drive out, so the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Joshua 16.10, however, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived near Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. Joshua 17.12 and 13, yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. And when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. Uh-oh. God has, has given rest, and yet lands remain to be conquered, and some of the Canaanites are not driven out. 
We might think of this as the equivalent of a, someone who's suffered through cancer and goes to their doctor, and the doctor has good news for the cancer patient. As they look at the scans together, the, the doctor says that you are cancer-free. But then, as he looks at it more closely, he sees just a little spot at the corner of the scan. And it would be like the cancer patient saying, it's okay, doc. Don't worry about that. We got most of it. We don't need to do anything else. Of course, that would be, that would be ridiculous. And yet... That's exactly what God is wanting us to see here, that there are problems. Listen to the warning that God gives the people of Israel later on. This is Joshua 23, verses 11 through 13. It says this, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, that they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorn in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Their obedience to the commandments of God, their faithfulness to the covenant was crucial. And this is what we've heard, and this is what Joshua has told them from the very beginning. Do not turn left or right from the law of God, but meditate on it and be careful to do all that it says. Then it will go well with you. The rest that God talks about here in verse 44 is a glorious gift It's a glorious gift from God, but there are still snakes in the garden. But this this section of chapter 21 ends with a wonderful truth. Look at verse 45 with me. Once again, not not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Perfect promises kept. Now, one word of God has failed. The word of the Lord is sure. Not one of the promises made to Abraham in Genesis 12 for God to make his offspring a great nation, to give them this land and to bless all the families of the earth. Not one of those promises have failed. Like this verse says, he swore to Abraham in a covenant that this would happen He is loyal to his word. Even in Egyptian slavery, he kept his word. In the wilderness, he kept his word. And now we see this word fulfilled in the most incredible way. In many ways, verse 45 is is a sort of doxology here in the book of Joshua. When we think of doxology, you probably think of praise God from whom all blessings flow. And in this, we see that praise God from whom all truth is told. Now, we know that on this side of the cross, that all of God's promises find their yes in Christ. On this side of the the cross of Christ, we know that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And so while this moment And the history of Israel is incredibly powerful. It's wonderful 
There's much to celebrate. We know that as we keep reading the Old Testament, that eventually this land would be taken away. People of God would be taken into exile. And that true rest would not be realized. The true Israel, the true Son of God would need to come and obey God's law perfectly and only then would receive an inheritance of a kingdom with its land and perfect rest. Friends, this is at the heart of the gospel, that our slavery to sin kept us from inheriting life and the promised land and true rest from our enemies but now God has given our inheritance in Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ, with the Son. God has given us rest in Christ. He is our peace. So indeed, our inheritance, our rest, all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. So for the remainder of the time that I have with you this morning in this sermon, I want to consider two applications that flow from this text in Joshua 21. As God's people here in 2023, what does this mean for us? I'd say two things. One, be faithful in the lands we're in. And number two, be watchful for the land to come. So number one, be faithful in the land's that we're in. Our inheritance in Christ is not a parcel of land in the Middle East. Hopefully you know that. That's not a surprise to any of us right now sitting here in Fort Worth, Texas. But actually, we are to inherit and are inheriting all the earth in Christ. Every square inch of the earth is his. And yet he has placed you and me in a particular time and place in a season such as this. And he's called us to be faithful here. He's called us to be faithful here in our homes, at school, at work, with the neighbors that you have. The call is to be faithful here today. The question is, maybe one of the questions is how? How are we to be faithful people of God? Just like Israel settling in the land of Canaan, the church is to trust and obey God. Trust and obey his word in the midst of remaining wickedness. Friends, the kingdom of the serpent is still enticing us today. Chris talked about that a minute ago. We still hear whispers of, did he really say? Did God really say? We struggle all the time. Not only are we in the midst of our own sin and the sin done against us, but there's suffering because of it as well. We have to navigate all sorts of philosophies and worldviews of our day. We're, we're inculcated with it all the time. It starts in small ways at times. As we interact with the world or with our neighbors, we, we might think, well, what he said, does it, that doesn't sound all that bad. That person seems so reasonable. They can't be wrong. 
And friends, this happens to us on an individual level. This also happens on a corporate level. This happens with groups all the time. But that question is, how do you and I, in a culture that more and more calls evil good and good evil, how do we remain faithful in such a time and place as this? That's a question. And it's not only that. In some ways, if that was all it is, then we would have probably clear answers or arriving at those answers in a faster way. But it's not only that. It's also competing Christian voices on how we should engage our culture. Do we retreat? Do we resist? Where do we resist? Do we reform? How do we reform? How do we embrace parts of our culture and reject the other parts? And all of this is playing out with our own hearts that are prone to idolatry. There's dangers on every side, from without and from within. There's dangers that we would dethrone God in our heart and just make him an add-on love with all of our other disordered loves. And this is exactly what God warned Israel about in the book of Joshua. Friends, what we, what we desperately need to be faithful in the land today is wisdom. Oh, we need wisdom. Wisdom from above. Not worldly wisdom, not wisdom from below, but wisdom from above. In James 1, he says, ask for this wisdom, and he gives abundantly without fault. And Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom in a person. He is our true north. And he is the word made flesh. He is the word that never fails. The word from God that never fails. So may we be a people that are trusting in God's word to make us wise. In Psalm 119, verse 156, the psalmist asks that God would give him life according to his rules. His rules bring life. He knows what's best. He's not confused about what is good and what is bad. He's not like me. He's not like you. He's not confused. In a world that is incredibly confusing and chaotic, God knows what is good and what is bad. We need his wisdom. Wisdom to orient us in the confusion of the day, to be able to stand firm in the freedom of Christ and not walk back into the slavery of sin that the world and Satan constantly tempts us toward. To be able to love our neighbor while disagreeing with them. To pray for our enemies and ask that God would open their hearts to the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And we carry with us at all times the gospel of Jesus Christ that is right now and will be able at all times to push back the gates of hell. What a glorious inheritance we have from a gracious father. Friends, the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places because he is our lot and our portion. Jesus is the better land of Canaan. 
So let us hold fast to his word. Let us hold fast to his word, trusting in his good promises. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, many of you are familiar with this story. This is the story of uh, after King David has sinned with Bathsheba, the the prophet Nathan comes to David and he says this on behalf of the Lord, look at all that I have given you, David. Look at all that I've given you. I've given you this kingdom. I've given you this land. I've given you all of the riches of this kingdom. And I would have given you more. But why have you despised the word of the Lord? Friends, let us be honest about our sin. When we walk and talk with self-righteousness, when we give ourselves over to gossip or lust or jealousy or anger, that when we sin, we are rejecting the very thing that brings us life. That in our rebellion and our disobedience, we are rejecting the very thing that was meant to bring us flourishing. And yet, the grace of God and the person and work of Jesus Christ has come to make a home with us. Because we are the faithless ones. We can only be made faithful because of his faithfulness and because he gives more grace. We can turn back to him in repentance and enjoy his sweet forgiveness in the land that he has given us today. He loves to give grace. Our Savior loves to give grace and mercy. And the reason that he loves to give grace and mercy is because he loves you. And this is what he's pleased to do. Our home, our inheritance is in him. And his his spirit is in us. And our access to the Father is secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is a promise. The promise to save us, to adopt us, to sanctify us. And that will never fail, beloved. It is all a yes in Jesus Christ. And that brings rest to our souls. And yet... We still live among the slings and arrows of our flesh, of the world, and of Satan himself. Sin and suffering are unwanted realities that prevent us from the fullness of rest that God intended for his people. I don't think that's news to you, is it? But the invitation today is to enjoy a Sabbath rest in him. He is our Sabbath rest. Jesus Christ is our rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who says, come and find rest for your weary soul. And it's a working rest. It's a rest that still takes up a yoke. It takes up his yoke, but his yoke is not burdensome. 
And so here's the question I have. Have you found that rest? Have you found the Sabbath rest of Jesus Christ? Have you found refuge and serenity in the heart of Christ? More and more I'm seeing maybe the the only redeeming value of Facebook, at least for me, is the, the memories. Maybe that's Uh, the same for you. Uh, One of the things I love is that Facebook tells you on this date, six, seven years ago, this is what was happening in your life. And earlier this week was one of those moments where I just treasured a picture that I saw from six years ago. Um, My family and I were at a Chris Tomlin concert. I think it was in Grand Prairie. Uh, And Owen is sleeping in the midst of this concert on my shoulders. Owen, uh, at the time, was five years old, and uh, there were thousands of people there singing loudly. And for him, even though it was a beautiful concert, for him, there was kind of turmoil and loud and noise, and he didn't really like it all that much, but he was able, in the midst of all that, to lay his head on my shoulder and take a nap. Despite the noise out there and the turmoil right here, He is rest. Our good Father is rest. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, the author looks back at this rest that we read about here in Joshua. In particular, Joshua 21. And the author of Hebrews reminds us that what we read here in the book of Joshua was always meant to point to beyond itself. It was always pointing to something more. I've made this point a couple of times, but listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. It says this, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The better Joshua offers a better rest. And we enjoy that rest today. We enjoy a Sabbath rest in him today. But we enjoy it in part now and fully when Jesus ushers in the land to come. And that brings us to the second application point, which is be watchful for the land to come. Our warrior king will come and finally drive out all the enemies from among us. He will do that on that day that he comes. And when Christ returns, he will bring a heavenly lot for us to dwell with him forever. He is the ultimate meeting place of God with his people. He's told us that he's preparing a place for us. Right now, he's preparing a place in his father's house for you and for me. I don't know about you, but I I can't wait to stand in his presence on that day and hear him call out all the addresses of all the saints, all the lots and names and boundaries, and it won't be a boring list. It won't be a boring list of names and places, but it will be all the more occasion to worship our great God 
forever. Be faithful and be watchful. Let us, as we end, find ourselves in the tension that we see even in this text, but knowing what's to come. The last few words of Joshua 21 say, all of God's promises came to pass. They came to pass. And we say, yes and amen. And we hold that with the last words of Jesus in our Bible, in the book of Revelation, where we find our great hope. All of God's promises came to pass, and Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful as your people to stand on your promises to glory in the inheritance that you have given us in your son. That we indeed have seen that the lines have fallen in pleasant places. That we are so grateful in the midst of all the turmoil that we experience in this world and from, and from our own hearts and our own remaining sin that we have rest in you. Father, will you help us to be faithful and what you have given us today. That we look around us and we see the lies of the world and we see the temptations to, to call what is evil good and good evil. And yet may we stand on the promises of your word that never fails and obey it. We need wisdom. And so we ask as your people that you would bring us wisdom to know how to navigate this world, to, to know how to uh, be able to confess our sin, to repent of our sin, to love our neighbor and yet disagree with where they are, and to push back the gates of hell as we stand fast on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we need your help. We need your help for today to live in that reality, and we need your help to have hope for the day when our Joshua will usher us into a full, eternal place and rest with him. And oh, what a day to celebrate as we look forward. We love you, and it is in Christ that we pray. Amen.